0: Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. It feels like we just had an episode, but here we are again with a set, with a a new show, talking about the comics that came out on January 15th, 2020. If you haven't read them yet, pause the show, go read them, come back. We'll wait for you. We're good like that. Uh, First up this week, we've got The Flash, number 86. This is written by Joshua Williamson. And it is illustrated. Who did this issue? I don't. I didn't write it in my notes. Um,
1: Rafa Sandoval wasn't Rafa it? Rafa
0: Sandoval. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is the finale of the uh, the Rogues' Reign storyline. And uh, Vince, why don't you start us off talking about this issue? Sure. So,
1: you know, we haven't talked very much about this arc, uh, but lately on the Flash. Uh, Williamson has finally gotten around to writing a little more of the Rogues, uh, which is something that I remember back back in the early moments of the run. Didn't he have them like skip town or something?
2: Uh, yeah, something like that. That and did happen. Yes, I
1: think his explanation, maybe even directly to you at Comic Con, Brian, if I if I remember correctly, was something like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna come back around and write the Rogues eventually, but for a while, I wanted to chart my own path or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it looks like he's gotten around to that. And I have to say, um, because of the Snyder Justice League, Lex Luthor uh gift offer, whatever stuff, um Williamson got the rogues essentially back to that new fifty. 50- Remember in the New 52, instead of having these like uh, weird sort of pulpy weapons that they would use to, to access their powers. They like physically got the powers as if they were mutants or something. Yeah. Um, and the Lex Luthor's gift kind of made that happen again. So like Captain Cold, his powers are now at least in some form or fashion generated by his body. I think it looks like he has some physical augmentation as well, but like, Instead of using a gun, it's it's coming from him. You know, the, the the freezing comes from his hands. Right. I think that is that's a really silly, dumb uh, thing to do with the rogues. But what Williamson does here is he he's almost kind of. Uh, making fun of it or. Or using it as a red herring, I think. Because by the end of this issue, the thing that I... Because it kind of did make me roll my eyes at first. When Captain Cold shows up and he's, like, shooting ice out of his hands. And uh, he's all, like, ripped and stuff. (laughs) Um, He looks like The Rock or something. (laughs) Um, but, But what I like is that, like, by the end of this issue... The thesis about the rogues, and it's done through um, Captain Cold's sister. I can never remember her rogue name. It's, it's like golden Glider. golden, golden glider. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, is something, he? she says something like, he, he, he says something like, Aren't you sick of losing? Don't, don't you want to win finally? And she says, I don't want to lose you. And the whole thesis is basically like, we need to go back to the way that the rogues were when they were small time, because yeah, we may be lost to the flash all the time, but we were human beings and we were like regular people. And I, 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 think like, that's a really interesting, you know, there's been a lot that's been done with the rogues over the years and, and John's explored them with a, a decent amount of depth and I, yet I feel like Williamson really found a new way to talk about them, even if it's subtle, you know? Oh, absolutely, I, yeah. I think the conclusion he, he comes to there is actually kind of sweet, you know, because the rogues, the rogues have always been, like, not the baddest-ass villains in the DCU. They're, they're really these small-time crooks who have these weapons that give them extraordinary powers, right? And I think Williamson understands that. And he kind of subverted it, but then brought it back home by the end. Um, so I, I thought this issue was was pretty. It, it didn't like knock my socks off, but I think it was a nice uh, thesis statement on on who the rogue should be by the end of it. and And there's also a big big spoiler thing that we need to talk about at the end, but I'm sure we'll get to that, but i I, I like this.
0: Zach?
2: Yeah, I think I agree. Um, so I'll admit I have been sleeping on this book for a bit and read this issue because it was the conclusion and um, and because you guys wanted to talk about it. And uh, but I, I feel like I got the gist of what has been happening. <laughs> you know, it's one of the. It seems like one of those arcs where you could probably read the first issue and the last issue and get it. Um, and, yeah, I agree. I think it is kind of funny that they went back to that new 52 well, uh, sort of. Um, although not with the other characters, it seemed. Um, although, the, this is like a side thing, but everybody has new costumes now. Um, and I, I did not recognize a lot of the characters until they like said their names. Um, like, I would not have pegged that. That was Mirror Master. Although no, I, I didn't no like idea that, who that was at costume. First. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of liked it. It makes a lot more sense than the like orange and green thing that he usually wears. Oh, I love that orange um, and green thing, though. Yeah, I, I do too. But I, I kind of like this look too, um, actually. But um, yeah, I thought it, it was a fine issue. Um, you know, it kind of has one of those like not quite super dickery endings, but sort of. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I it was fine. I liked it.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the rogues are kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand, you feel like you need to do a rogue story, right? Because it's it's a flashbook and you need to do the rogues. But there's also only so many ways to do a rogue story. And so I'm glad that Williamson was able to stick the landing here, like Vince said, and, you know, giving that I think Vince called it a thesis statement on the rogues, was a nice way to end that rogue story. I also think that Flash comics work the best when the rogues recognize sort of their place in in the Flash story. Like, the rogues help Avery and Wallace learn to use their powers here a little bit. And that's not something any other villain group would ever do right that is that is something unique to the rogues and i like when writers recognize that the rogues would do something like that does does that make sense like uh Mm -hmm. it just it, it it helps identify the rogues as something different than what we see from so many other uh villains in across comics so i i really do enjoy enjoy that stuff um we also should talk a little bit about the uh, the what happens at the end of the issue here. So, uh, you know, going back to pre- before this arc even, uh, Barry's been having a hard time controlling the speed force. He, he does not have the same sort of mastery over the speed force that he had earlier. And so this issue ends with him saying that until he has a better... Handle handle on the Speed Force. He should be in prison also, which is a little silly, but I like the overall idea of it. What do you guys think? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and we should mention that he he also almost beats Captain Cold to death. <laughs> yes, that too. Because because like he apparently becomes possessed by the Speed Force or something. Um. Part of me wonders. I'm going to throw, I'm just going to throw this out there. If uh, maybe August Hart, Godspeed, had something to do with that. Because Godspeed has this like what? Like white and gold color scheme, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Barry becomes like totally gold. In these moments
0: he loves when he's like
1: gold. when yeah exactly he's yep he's gold member uh he has a smoke and a pancake uh he takes a big bite of skin out of the skin box uh <laughs> something additional revolting mike myers joke um
2: but well, i haven't I just, seen it they're on netflix so maybe yeah. i should I hope oh dc3
1: cast Pa- Patreon content, yeah. Patreon content, the Austin Powers cast. <laughs> Let's be buc- honest; buc- it's, it's buc- become <laughs> <laughs> God damn it!
0: Um,
1: ridiculous. But anyway, you'll you'll remember that the beginning of Williamson's flash run was about how Godspeed thought that in order to clean up. Um, the city that they should be like murdering criminals or whatever right like he was he was tough on crime you know and so it (laughs) was a real Rudy Giuliani (laughs) was yep (laughs) yep Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if if somehow uh, August Hart has something to do with that so I'm just throwing that out there
2: that's all yeah we still don't know who that like mysterious guy that that godspeed was working with is do we did that ever get revealed oh no
0: i don't i don't think so yeah i don't know i don't even know who you're talking about it was like at the end of
2: one of the arcs i don't know there's you know mysterious shadowy figure pulling the strings yeah i don't know this book is just kind of like Hit a lull for me, I think, just in terms of like its long game. I'm not, I want it to get to the end game, you know? I want it, it's, I was always pushing for that like hundred issues thing, but now it's like, it's getting renumbered anyway. So what is it even? I don't know. I, I feel like it's just kind of been, I don't want to say like spinning its wheels, but like just kind of going, it's going somewhere but it's just taking a long time to get there.
0: And we say this a lot with these books, but I wonder how much of that has to do with it's supposed to line up with certain events that got delayed, whether they be doomsday clock or heroes in crisis or whatever, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I would imagine I would not be surprised.
0: Yeah. I do want to say, I really enjoy, you know, He's somebody who I think has improved so much over the last three or four years, but Rafa Sandoval's art here has been was really really good this issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sandoval's very good. Um, all right, well let's let's move on then. What, what, what do you guys want to talk about next? I I know what order Vince wants to go in, but I'm willing to, to hear all <sighs> the orders.
1: So you're just asking Zach then, is what you're no, saying?
0: No, I said what
2: you, what would be next is Freedom Fighters. Freedom next? Fighters is next, yeah.
0: Let's let's go ahead and knock that out. Okay, Freedom Fighters number twelve, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Eddie Barrows. Uh, I'm gonna say the last issue of this I read was probably number two.
2: <laughs> yeah, two or three for me. Um, man glad that eddie barrows is going to be free to work on another project
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because his art in this is is really good
2: it's yeah. very good um
1: i think the the from a visual standpoint the fight between uncle sam and the cyborg overman was really nice that that was that was really nice to read um
2: yeah yeah it
1: fl- flowed really well it had some really great like rising and falling action and it ended with a really it ended with a big impact you know Mm -hmm. uncle sam crushes cyborg overman's head under his foot but the way that it the way that it all played out was just very visually pleasing i feel and i don't i don't always think that about fight scenes in comics which can sometimes feel like uh routine you know what i mean yes yes Other than that, I I honestly don't have a heck of a lot to say about this either.
2: Um, I I did want to say, like, just kind of like harping on Barrow some more, like he I I also liked some of the like horror stuff that he was playing with, with the the plastic men, um, you know, throughout the series. But we get some of that in this issue as well. And like, I would like to see him do something a little spookier, maybe give him a spooky book um yeah i, I could dig a, sco- a spooky uh, barrows book spooky barrows book get him a spec get him on a specter book
0: Ooh. Yeah. yeah yeah
2: that'd be cool um this this issue was so slight i mean yeah <laughs> almost nothing just very very shallow <laughs> I, do you all disagree? No, I totally oh. agree.
1: I totally agree. Like you see, the issue opens with like Hitler Jr. sneaking away from this Nazi mountain. They blow up the Nazi mountain using the human bomb character who does who thinks he's gonna die and then doesn't. And then uh, it's the end of uh, Return of the Jedi or the end of Rise of Skywalker, where you see all the different nations um, celebrating and joining in the revolution across the world because the Nazis have been defeated or whatever. Hitler jr. Is hiding away and uh, the new plastic man guy uh, murders him in his sleep.
2: Yeah. It's oh, like the sleeping. end of like every like nineties movie or like the end of hot rod where, you know, they've, <laughs> they've like saved the day and, and <laughs> won everything. But, but Andy Sandberg still has to go. He still has to go fight. Is it, What's that actor's name is it Ian McShane or not? Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, yeah. 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 He has to go, <laughs> you know, beat him up just to just to finish the movie. Yeah. Um that's what it's like.
1: Yeah. Which which, you know, and it fine. would be
2: funny if it wasn't so like horrifying as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like meant to be kind of funny and like a like fist pump moment, like, oh, yeah, kill Hitler Jr. But also it's terrifying.
1: Oh, so you, so so if so you would have let Hitler Jr. Live. OK, I, I see where you are on this. OK.
0: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I had totally forgotten about, I keep talking about. Crisis on Infinite Earths to the boys they just reread it but um I had forgotten that in the pre-crisis continuity the freedom fighters were from Earth 2 and then they went to fight on Earth X because that's where the war was still going on but they were from Earth 2. And so reread reading this I was like, "Oh, I guess I guess in in modern continuity they're just from their own earth, right? There there's no there's nothing
1: I I don't know because th- this is a new Freedom Fighters team. So like right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're this is operating in, they're operating in the spirit of the old Freedom Fighters, which they talk about in this cuz they say something like the old Freedom Fighters disbanded in the 60s or something like that and so this could I believe this could probably take place on Earth X because it's continuing that original story, you know, Yeah. in some form or fashion.
0: Yeah. Uh, should we tell the listeners what we just decided, by the way?
1: Yeah, I'll go for
0: mm. it. <laughs> there mixed, mixed signals Zex,
1: there. X is no. He gets, I mean, it gets off on being withholding.
0: I do, I do. I'm going to say it. So uh, starting in February, we're going to do um, – one a month, we're gonna go through the seven crises of DC Comics, starting with Crisis at Infinite Earths, in February. So, uh, everybody read it now, and uh, we're we'll talking about it next month. So, I'm very excited for that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, not as many nut faces in that as there were in the uh, <laughs> America versus the Justice Society, though. That was who, oh, baby. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> let's talk about justice league odyssey number 17 uh so zach and i were had very different approaches to reading this issue uh i had read like the five or six issues before because i had fallen off this book and zach just jumped right in so i'm very interested to hear what we think about this book but this issue was written by dan abnett illustrated by will conrad so zach why don't you start what did you think of this book just coming into this issue
2: um I didn't love it, but it has deck star, so it was good.
0: All right, Vince. <laughs> uh I
1: I think this book is kind of a mess. Um I don't think it knows I don't think it it ever knew what it wanted to be. I think maybe it did in the beginning, but then something happened. <laughs> Uh, which we've talked about on the show before, right? Because um, Williamson was supposed to be writing.
0: Oh, he Man, the release first... the Williamson cut, am yeah. I right? <laughs> <laughs> he really... He, what did he write? The first five, maybe?
1: I do, yeah, I don't even yeah, know.
0: I think, yeah, I think five sounds
2: right.
1: Um, yeah, but you know, since then, it's kind of been spinning its wheels. It's kind of been telling... Kind of like Catwoman, It it feels like it's been telling the same story for the last 17 issues, right? And, you know, there are moments where it's it's good, and there are things that I like about it, but overall it, it doesn't seem to have any direction. Um, and a, I, a common criticism that I have levied at it, I think, on this show is that at bo- at the same time, it feels like it could be one of the most important books DC is putting out because it's all about Uh, you know, dark side or some other force taking hold of the multiverse and creating the next multiverse in their image. Right. After the, after the, um, source wall stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's ostensibly what the book is about. However, nothing that you really read in it makes it feel like that's actually a threat to happen or like something that would be so monumentally important is, um, actually what the book is about you know what i mean right uh zach you sounded like you wanted to say something though
2: well i know what i know what could save this book i know how to fix it
1: lay it on me string bean.
2: so so first first you put eddie barrows on art (laughs) then you put saint walker in the book that's how you fix it that's how you do it and that's how we win
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is how I win. Meme, meme that up
2: as soon as we're off this off the air. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. Oh well. Um, <laughs> seriously, if we've got Dexter in a book, we also need Saint Walker. Yeah. Where is he? He's in where comic is... book limbo right now.
0: I wanted to I keep saying that D C should do a book that's a small scale Justice League book where the team is assembled like a D and D team and he would be the healer of the team. Yeah. Make it happen, DC. Make it happen. Um, this book is kind of a mess, like uh, like Vince said. However, I will say that I like that there is a book that is featuring Jessica Cruz and Orion and Dexter and all of those characters together. And, you know, Zach mentioned that Dexter is good, and Dexter is good. But I'll say that Dexter is way chattier here. Like I've read a bunch of issues leading up to this, so I don't think it was in this one so much. But I feel like Dexter never talked as much as he does in this book. Mm-hmm. No,
2: like in in like John's book, he would like he was not very verbose. You know, yeah. he would he has gotten chattier over the years.
1: He's he's filling the Cosmo role from the uh, Abnett and Lanning Marvel cosmic stuff.
2: Mm. I think Cosmo the, of the right.
1: dog. Cosmo,
0: okay. <laughs> buddy. He just walks in the room. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can picture it. I'm laughing just thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but this, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. Maybe it was just with you guys. I can't remember. Um, but the the one thing that I like about this book is that it it is written in the same spirit as the Abnett and Lanning uh, cosmic stuff slash what would eventually become guardians of the galaxy where like this team is thrown together of these people that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And then there's some new characters tossed into the mix too. Like, like this gamma knife character um, who I kind of like so far. I like gamma knife as a character. Like I want to read more about her. I I would read a book about her. Um, and these little robots that are like flying around with her, flying around her head and whatnot, that's kind of like the Nova Hive mind from from those Marvel comics, too. So, like, there is something here in the recipe that is that that almost wants to be that. And that stuff was so good. But because it's that mixed with this mission statement that it was supposed to have something to do with the uh new justice Snyder stuff and it really isn't making good on that in any meaningful way something standing in this way of me enjoying this book more and also the Will Conrad art which I don't I'm not a huge fan of I won't really dwell on that but um it's it's so lumpy um (laughs) but uh you know so I do like that there's elements I like I like and I like that I like where Abnett could – there's a book in here that Abnett could have written if he weren't taking the ball and running with somebody else's ingredients. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I like a lot of the things that he does that aren't – I'm not going to say that they're the most original ideas in the world, but they're somewhat unique. Like Orion being able to call his his armor to himself. Mm-hmm. I really liked that little touch. There are lots of fun little details that he that he puts out there for these characters. And I think that he also does a good job of writing these characters relatively authentically to how they are. You know, Dexter's verbosity uh, notwithstanding. There's just, there's a disconnect to me between all the fun stuff that's going on and what the book is trying to be. Like, all the all the stuff that doesn't really matter is a lot of fun. And all the stuff that's supposed to be important just is boring me. Yeah, that's a that that is a great way to say it.
1: So, Zach, do you have anything else to, to talk about as far as the quality of this issue before we talk about a couple things that I think maybe
2: a key to what nope. comes next? Go off. Okay, I, you, I I know what you're gonna say.
1: Well, let's 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 talk about it. So we've got at the end of this issue uh, hacks which is this character... Oh, what is the...
2: Zamoron.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, Blackfire and Dextar. stumble across Epoch the Time Master. Or the Lord of Time. Lord of Time, right? Lord of Time, yeah. Lord of Time. I've I said Time Masters because... Not a I'm Time
0: Lord, either. No,
1: no, a Lord of Time. Not, not a Time Lord. But remember that in Doomsday Clock... They talked about the Time Masters crisis, right? Oh, do you think that could have anything to do with
2: this? I don't, uh, but I like that. No, I one hundred percent think it is. You think it is, and I then think it is. By that logic,
1: it's connected to the uh, Rip Hunter being in the Hela book.
2: Yes, I think, I think that's connected, and there's there's one other thing that we haven't talked about yet that oh. I think is connected.
1: Well, go off, King.
2: Well, we're it's in a book we're going to talk about later.
1: Oh, I thought you meant in this book.
2: No, no. Okay,
1: well, we'll talk about it then. But I also think Gamma Knife could be a stealth 5G character that Abnet is going to sneak in there sometime. I did have that thought.
0: I thought that that's going to be like the 5G Adam Strange or something. Yes. Yes,
1: absolutely. I
0: okay. have that same thought. No, that the would reason... be great. I
1: would be so in that corner.
0: The reason I don't think that this has anything to do with the Time Masters crisis is I don't believe that's a thing. Like I don't, you don't believe think, you there, don't think that's a thing. I don't think DC's going to do a damn thing with that. I don't. I, I. The more I think about the end of Doomsday Clock, the more I think about how that's going to be. That is an in-story version of the Flash Speed Force book we were promised before Flashpoint. Of, I this, see. of this thing sure. that we're just gonna lament in the future. Oh man, we never got that that Time Masters Crisis, whatever. Like you know, that's that's gonna become what it is. See, think... go ahead. Zach. I
2: I think that I kind of think we will mostly because of the the stuff in in Hell Arisen, The fact that that came out the same day, and like even if like nothing else in Doomsday Clock happens, you know, I've even seen like maybe. The Kints aren't even back in continuity, which is interesting. I hadn't really considered that. But, like, I think I feel like the Time Master stuff was like not even a John's plan. I think I feel like that was like a DC editorial plant.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of think that too.
0: I mean, that would be dope. I'm all for it.
2: And I think it plays into the 5G stuff too. Like, I think that's how 5G is going to go down. Time shenanigans, zero hour two.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. A further crisis in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming in March our discussion of Zero Hour (laughs) oh man Uh, yeah okay so um, anything else to say about this book
1: Mm -mm. no I don't think so
0: alright well let's take a break and when we come back we'll discuss our final two books of the week so stay tuned We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily.
2: I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster,
0: A Silent Voice,
2: and Pokemon Adventures.
0: We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations, like Netflix's Death Note.
2: At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick, so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com,
0: Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with Legion of Superheroes number three, written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by Ryan Sook. Although is it really illustrated by Ryan Sook? I, some of the pages
2: Some of them are are. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, definitely the first page. The Yes the, the recap, not a recap page.
0: Um, yeah. that one is. It's uh, Ryan Sook and Travis Moore are the two mm-hmm. artists. Um, who does good work. Yes, absolutely.
1: One, and, one of Zach's
0: um, favorites. And inked by the Ryan Sook pages are inked by the great uh, Wade von Grosbadger who inked all or most of um, Starman. It was one of my favorite inkers out there?
2: Oh, I thought you were gonna say one of your favorite comics of all time, and I was gonna say, uh, "We know, Brian." No, inkers, <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was the book I was talking about before the break.
1: Yes,
2: there's some time shenanigans in here.
0: There are,
2: and there are people who are upset about those time shenanigans. Yeah,
0: there are. Can we can we hold off on the time shenanigans for just a minute, though? Well yes but i didn't want to bury the lead no no i i I agree with that as well i just want to say that three issues in i'm kind of not sold on legion of superheroes i
2: i i i can see why you would feel that way um i think if i was not a, a big legion mark i would not i'm already like not super into this book um so I, I can't blame you. But I, I enjoy this issue a lot.
1: For me, it's very simple. I look at this book. I look at the cover. I look at all the art on the inside. I look at the designs, the way that everything looks, the way that it visually feels. And I go, I want to love this book so bad. I love everything that I'm seeing with my eyes. And then I just read it and the how disjointed the plot is and how the characters are constantly talking over one another. And it just, I can't be bothered to pay attention to who is even talking half the time in this book.
0: Well, that's what I was saying last week when we were talking about uh, Young Justice, where I feel like, although Young Justice has a lot of that Bendis dialogue in it, I know the characters so well. That I'm not. I don't have to do the homework of. All right, who is this person? What's their relationship to this? There are so many characters in this, and there is so much of that this dialogue. That I, I think it's it's really a chore to read the dialog
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's damn near unbearable in in this book. I don't say that
2: lightly. Like, yeah, I I honestly like the dialogue isn't even the thing that gets me with this book. It's the layouts that are just so busy like the the double page spreads and like it's just it's just very intimidating is not the right word but just kind of like like I, i'll i'll turn to a page like um i'm actually maybe thinking more of like the second issue because i had to read that one to catch up but um you you guys talk and I'm gonna to try to find like an example page in this issue.
0: Sure, Sh- I mean sure. I, I do think one of the troubles with a Legion book, especially with a Legion book where the character has been on the shelf for a long time, is you don't want to just do a book where it's it's the story of two or three legionnaires. But unless you break the team down, it's just overwhelming to try and keep track of who is who. Mm-hmm. Okay, I... so this oh. Sorry, you advance, and then I'll oh, say I was
1: just—I was just going to respond to what Brian just said, which is that I don't even need them to. I don't even need them to focus on building up fewer characters, or, or I just need them. To, I need them to not be talking over one another with extraneous dialogue that doesn't serve a purpose other than trying to be what Bendis perceives as funny or pithy. You know
0: mm-hmm.
1: that because I don't think if if we had this many characters. And they were saying things that were, like, important to the plot or um, or had personality in them, like, unique personality. That would be one thing. But this is just – these are all these characters doing the, like, what did you just say type thing talking over one another. Like, the, the cutesy dialogue where every character sounds the same – I, I sometimes feel like that criticism is unfairly uh, leveled at him. It couldn't be more fair to say that about this book though. I feel Zach, what'd you find?
2: So this page. Isn't the best example. I was actually thinking about the second issue where they're in that uh, like dining hall area, the, the heaven place. Um, that one exemplifies it a little bit more, but the, the issue is you have these like big splash pages that are still littered with like a lot of smaller panels that are then crammed full of dozens of characters. And then on top of that are, you know, a mass of speech bubbles and it's just so busy. I think that even though it looks really good, um, it's just so, it's just so much, I think. And that's, that's kind of like, that is like Legion to a T. I think it's just like it's a lot. It's so much, you know, it's just so many characters that are unless you have been like reading Legion or like following it for a while, you're like, OK, wait, who is this person? What are they doing? What's their thing? Um, yeah, the, this book is like at times bordering on impenetrable, which has always been the Legion thing.
1: Yeah, well, but it's like... it's in a different way. Yes. yes. Like, yeah, I was just yeah. gonna
0: say it seems like this is a totally different type of impenetrable than we usually get. Yeah, I, I think so. I agree. Yeah. And it just seems like um, such a wasted opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah. Me, I, yeah.
2: Yeah. I wish this book like got on the ground with a bit of a like more clear sense of purpose and and mission statement. It it feels very much like it's just kind of like middling along um yeah i i don't know there's there is there's some interesting wrinkles in this issue that have nothing to do with the legion actually and most i'm thinking of like the damien stuff yeah yeah
0: yeah. so so let's get to the damien stuff i think that's what you're talking about in terms of the important stuff from this issue right zach well,
2: I was talking about more, like, the stuff with the president of there, – there is that aspect, actually, but I was thinking more of, like, the president person who's, like, upset with the Legion for manipulating time and and kind of, like, Rose's part in that, too. That's kind of more what I was thinking right, about. We'll, we'll but, go off on that. But no, we I'll, can talk, I'll talk I mean, I don't, I don't have, like, a ton to say about it other than it's, like – Timey wimey control stuff. So I I feel like that is in line with some of the other stuff in um that that has been teased. So that that's really all. And did you
1: notice that right in the uh, I think it was like the first or second page? There's one of those little like news flash things that Bendis has been doing lately at DC down the left side of the page that says uh, UP, United Planets, uh, seeks legislation to regulate the time s- stream. Yes,
2: yes, yeah. So
1: yeah. that plays into what you're talking about exactly.
2: hmm
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, so Brian, go off on uh, Planet Gotham then.
0: Well, so th- it wasn't so much the Planet Gotham stuff. It was more the n- everyone is freaked out to see Damien here. Because of what Damien is going to become in the future.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Hitler Jr. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that, I mean, Damien is already a character with some moral ambiguity baked into him, you know, uh, just because he's half an Al Ghul in the way he was raised and all of that. But lately, we've been seeing a much kinder, softer Damien. Not that he's not the sort of prick he's always been, but... He has not been as morally ambiguous. He's been walking the straight and narrow more. And I think it's interesting that Bendis is teasing a sharp a sharp turn away from that because it doesn't seem like what they're saying is, "Oh, he's going to become Batman one day." you know it, it seems like it seems like Damien's going to have going have a heel turn of some sort.
2: Well, it could be just, you know, like we've seen the like Batman 66 timeline
0: to oh, that, you know, he, bad Batman. He, he, you mean Batman 666, not Batman 66. He's not, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, not using you're right. bat, shark repellent you're bat spray, right. right. You're right. My,
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, my my Sam bad. West's son.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all this stuff is interesting. I just. I just don't know what Bendis could do to to pull this out of the gutter right now. I mean, I just
1: wish like. So okay, so like the main story of this arc appears to be, uh, the stuff with the with the Aquaman trident and the King of Rimbar, who's Ultra Boy's dad, uh, wrestling for control of that, with his son, who's on the Legion of Superheroes, and that's one story and. Superboy himself has really almost nothing to do with that. And yet they're still trying to t- tell this, like, Superboy is introduced to the Legion of Superheroes thing. And then he goes back and pulls Damien in. It, th- that just seems like a, another bridge too far. Like, that, that could be a whole arc in and of itself. And instead yes. that feels like just an incredibly tossed off, I, I don't I don't even I don't even know what that was supposed to be. It it wasn't even that entertaining. You know? <laughs> like I I don't know. Uh, I feel like Bendis could have gotten a lot more out of that. The the one thing that I really, really like about all of this is that the stuff about uh the Legion of Superheroes orientation video that yes. John was supposed to watch. So that that was in the first issue. And at the time, because they they referenced it like two or three times, I thought, oh, that's like a gag. Like he's never gonna get around to watching that video. Right. But it's gonna it's gonna be a gag that Bendis returns to just as a running joke. And I, I thought that's kind of cute. And now it turns out that it might contain information that's like completely important to John's role with the Legion going forward that could be like multiverse changing, you know, <laughs> and I think that that's a really keen uh, really fun idea that that what maybe seemed like a joke is gonna be deathly serious by the end of this. um so i I did like that. That's the one thing that I really, really am intrigued by still in this book, and it looks like we're getting it because I think the next issue is something like. The secret secret origin of the Legion of Superheroes and the end and and the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. of course. Which is, of course, super dickery. But anyway, It's it's the one thing I really liked. Plus the art. I just I do. I do love the way that this book looks. I this is my ideal visual representation of what a Legion of Superheroes should look like.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I I definitely think that there is there is enough diversity in Sook's designs that it makes all of the it just just makes the book look so interesting when you're looking at all these characters together. And it seems like the designs are simple enough that other people can pick them up without too much problem. I'll call this the Batwing Corollary, where like nobody (laughs) could draw the Batwing suit like Ben Oliver did. And so it always looked weird when somebody else was doing it. Whereas this doesn't seem to be that way. This seems like this is a book that can pass off to different artists without too much trouble. Um, I just feel like when a book is being sold as there's all these interesting, young, diverse characters from different planets who all have different powers. Have we seen more than five Legionnaires use powers yet? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just, it, it just seems yeah, to me like there's no. like, There's just not a lot of, for all the stuff that could be so interesting, we're not getting a lot of it. And that's a bummer. Yeah. 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 Anything else to say about this book? No. No, I don't think so. All right, well then, let's move on to our final book of the week. Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen, number seven, written by Matt Fraction, illustrated by Steve Lieber. Uh, Before we go any further, whenever we talk about this book, we have to start talking about Steve Lieber's art, which is just so good. Oh, it's great. Especially, he does a couple of those little, like, uh, little Jimmy sections, or little Olsons, what does he call it, uh...
1: Lil Olsen's.
0: Lil Olson's, yeah. It's uh it's really fun stuff. It's it's just mm-hmm. so good. And I think that Fractions writing while enjoyable would not be much without without this artwork.
1: No, definitely not. And and Lieber gets to show off a little bit during that opening psychiatrist segment yes. where he draws Jimmy yeah. Olsen in like five five or six different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, The very old, cartoony, uh, old-fashioned version of him. Kind of like a younger, fresher version. A grizzled detective-type version. Um, Really good stuff. Yeah, I I always forget that... um, You know, I always think of Steve Lieber because of the Superior Foes stuff. And now this... Probably probably these are the main two reasons why I think of him these days, which is a shame because he's done so much work. But um, he was the artist on the, that Whiteout book with Greg Rucka.
0: Yes, I was just going to mention that uh, and uh, how great that book is. It's great, and it's one of the most gorgeous
1: uh, books I've ever read, and it's black and white, and and it's not this tone at all. And so I always think of him as this, like, kind of goofy artist who does comedy stuff. But that's only that's like one small sliver of his palette. And I mean, he's just so good all around. I, I I'd love for there to be a Steve Lieber book at D.C. till the end of time. I could look at this art every week. It's fantastic. One of my favorite artists, I'll say, yeah
2: he also he did that uh the hurricane issue of Hawkeye too with yes. fractions. Mm,
1: yes, yep,
2: which was really good,
1: yep, yep, good call, which i
2: I just read
1: as part of my marvel now, oh nice, reading. yeah
2: yeah, um i this issue. I still am not sold on the the gimmick of this run with the like multiple different strips. Although I do I do enjoy them, it's just not exactly like what I wanted from this book. But I feel like this one of the issues that I've read had the best stuff with like the the like Charlie Brown bits, and then also just the end the end bit I love in Opal City, such a good gag. Mm -hmm. Um, So. It is. We don't get a lot of like gag comics, you know. No. Uh, but it's it's good. I I like it. I think it'll be a fun read once it's all
0: done. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I I think that both this and Lois Lane are just not the books I thought they'd be after that Leviathan Rising one shot, and mm-hmm. I've never gotten over that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the fault of the books. That's the fault of me. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think I'll, I'll kind of echo what Zach said, because I, I think I like just about everything about this book, except for the way it's structured. And the problem is, is that like, I'm not disinterested in the stuff about the Luther and Olson uh, history of Metropolis stuff. I'm not bored or disinterested in that, but that is the segment that I, from month to month, I find the hardest to remember what happened or where we are with that. And it's because getting two or three pages of that every month and having it be essentially disconnected from everything else just doesn't, when we read so many books, when I read so many books every night, like I just can't, I can't keep track of that if it's not a bigger chunk of a story at a time. And so when I read this, I'm like, okay, what? Why why are why are they doing that right now? You know? And so I, I think it's all good stuff, but Zach is right. When it's all over, or maybe it was you, Brian. I can't remember who said this now, but when it's all over, I think it's gonna read really well. It was Zach. It was Zach. But But for me right now, it doesn't read as well as it could, even if it's a very good, I think, comic, (laughs) if that Mm -hmm. makes sense.
0: No, yeah, it does to me. Yeah, I I think that's very fair. And I do think it will read better collected. Um, And I also think that the structure will be easier to take when you're – like when you strap in to read a collection – and it's structured unusually. You're not vacillating between that and other comics while you're reading the collection. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I feel like it'll just it'll go down smoother for that reason.
1: Yeah. As long as you don't read this in it, like if you get the hardcover or whatever, if you read it in like specifically 20 page segments, you're going to run into the same problem. But you're right. People don't do that. So if you read like 40 pages of this, at least you get a bigger chunk of everything as you're going. You know what I mean? Yes it makes it makes perfect sense. You're reading it more as a piece rather than reading a couple pages of this historical stuff and then waiting a month to read a couple pages of it again.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, but it's very good. It's very funny. The Lil Olson stuff was uh, funny. the the way that that Jimmy is a like total dreamer. he wants a hundred cats or dogs or something who are ninjas yeah (laughs) yeah it's great stuff
0: yeah i'll also say that i think i think this book is going a long way to giving jimmy a personality that maybe since rebirth started he hasn't really had
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: yeah
2: Yeah. I do.
1: Yeah, I do think the psychiatrist scene kind of comments on that as well. Mm-hmm. Zach, what were you going to say?
2: No, I, I I, just agree. Yeah, like this um, in like some ways reminds me a lot of the Nick Spencer, Jimmy Olsen thing that started you know right before the new 52 and then kind of went by the wayside um it, it's kind of in that vein um i think it's better but um but i like it
0: yeah anything else to add
1: no i think so Mm-mm. all
0: right well let's quickly do our list for the week on the good list was the question the deaths of Vic Sage. The OK list has Aquaman, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse, and Teen Titans. The Bad list, controversially, has Batman's grave. Uh, Lolo Woods are on the Hill House list. Lucifer is in the Sandman Universe list. Uh, Nightwing is in the Jurgens list. And Flash Forward is on the Beware the Creeper list. Vinci, what's coming out next week?
1: All right, we got Basketful of Heads. We got Batgirl, Batman, Batman Beyond... Batman Curse of the White Knight. Batman Superman.
0: Batman the (laughs) Flamethrower.
1: Batman the Breakfast Cereal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Books of Magic. We've got uh, Detective Comics. We've got Far Sector. We've got Hellblazer. We've got uh, Metal Man, number four, Dan DiDio Special. Uh, We've got Red Hood Outlaw. We've got Shazam, if that can be believed. We've got Superman, we've got the year of the villain, Hella arisen and we've got Wonder Twins, and we've got the monumental, first time we're going to get a sniff of the DC Comics Master Timeline, Wonder Woman number 750. Very excited about that.
2: Big week. Bigger than the last couple of weeks that we've had, which have
0: been... Not big weeks <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's an understatement there um, before we go I did just want to ask you guys there's been a lot of uh, rumor and innuendo lately about 5g not happening or the plans being changed or you know uh, Rich Johnston wrote a piece about how you know there was a plan but now that is no longer the plan and blah 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 so just if we had to be wagering gentlemen, how close to the all-new-heroes-taking-over-the-books-for-a-while plan do you think we'll actually see happen? Hmm.
2: I think it's more likely to see that than, like, the heroes aging stuff, even though, I, I don't know, Rich has been, like, waffling back and forth it seems like or maybe maybe not waffling but getting more information that it, it kind of just i i think it's gonna happen i i think it's still all gonna happen i just think for some reason there are people at dc who are getting cold feet
0: vince uh
1: i think it's gonna happen but I, i'm gonna adjust my prediction because i think when we talked about this when we talked about this in depth for the very first time i think i one of you guys said i think it was you brian that it was going to be essentially an event and it would last like no more than a few months or like six months or something Mm
0: -hmm. was that you i believe so
1: and i said "Ah, i think it's going to be i think it is going to be a status quo that they're going to do longer than that but of course we'll eventually be retconned, but but I thought it was gonna be longer than that. I, I guess if I update my, you know, knowing what we know now or what we think we know, I I think I agree with you guys more now. I think it's I think it is gonna happen. I agree with Zach that it's still going to happen. I think it's going to be truncated because I do think they got cold feet, and I think part of the cold feet if you read between the lines, is that like maybe some of the big creators are seeing it as as something they don't want to be a part of, and they're stepping away from projects because of it. And so I I, I do feel like they still want to do it, and they've d- they've done the work behind the scenes. We're gonna see it in some form, but I don't think it's gonna be what it was planning on being. I think. So I do I do think it's gonna be more like a you know, maybe six month sort of event. It wouldn't surprise me if there was like one event book, like, a, like a crisis style book that ran for six issues monthly. And then all the books around it are of that status quo. And right. then at the end, and then by the end they're not.
0: So yeah, I don't I, think I could the, see that. I don't think the aging thing is going to happen. That was always the part that was the most suspect to me from the beginning. Because just, I mean, I know people get aged and de-aged all the time, right? But it Yeah. Seems, but it seems like doing it on mass was a little bit hard to do.
1: Well, you know what I kind of think is going to be the deal with that? What's that? And you can tell me if I'm crazy or this sounds stupid or whatever. But you know how in Doomsday Clock 12, it, it sets it up as... Uh, and then the 5G Earth was born, and that's li- that's like the signaling that the event is over. Yes. And so, like the pri- the Prime Earth, it would not surprise me if the air the heroes do get aged up, but then something happens to the to the to the metaverse, the Prime Earth, where they're de-aged again. But then the aged heroes exist on 5G Earth. As that drifts off into whatever, whether they ever return to it or not. See, you know I thought I mean? you
0: were going to say that whatever happens, 5G happens here, we see young or or rather we see new, you know, um, I mean, I still think they're going to be younger characters, right? Like if Clark can't, what, 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 what do we think he is? 35, maybe? Sure. sure right? yeah. Let's just say that, right? I still think you're going to see characters in their early 20s being the spotlight characters here. I could see the 5G Earth being all those characters aging in real time. You know, so okay. so it's still so you'll eventually if if they were to do a story in 15 years, you'd have 50 year old Bruce Wayne and 50 year old Clark Kent, but only you know 32, 33 year old. Insert character here. Sure. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We appreciate it. Um, Like we said, we'll be back next week with with next week's comics, but in February look for our Crisis on Infinite Earths episode. Um, Not related to the TV series, by the way, in case anyone was curious about that. I have not seen those. Have you guys watched any of that yet? No, but it sounds so wild. Yeah. Uh, I believe it wraps up tomorrow, as we record this. So I might actually go back and just watch those episodes. Maybe. Yeah, um, I, might, I might try and do the same. Uh, but anyway, if you just get in touch with two thirds of us, uh, we're on Twitter. Zach, where are you? I am at Wilker Fox. And I am at Brian needs a nap. And if you have to get in touch with Vince, he is aggregating all the uncut gems, memes that you could possibly want. <laughs> Like man. Man there. But we'll not and see th- the movie.
1: This is how I win.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I disagree. I I disagree. That was actually a pretty good uh pretty good sandman there. Dad my doobie? <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs>
2: Wanna
1: buy my furby
0: <laughs> Alright folks, thanks for listening. Talk to you.
1: I think Bob Odenkirk should be in every single movie, and his job is to just say the title of the movie. Oh, yes. Like, imagine if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood opened with him, like, sitting in a chair, pulling a book off the shelf, and then saying, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then he opens the book, and then that's the movie.
2: In, in, the, Joker, in the Joker, he's sitting in the crowd <laughs> at that show, and he just stands up and says, That's the freaking Joker! <laughs> <laughs>
1: The year was 1917.